Hello, everyone. This is American Girls, the podcast, the show where we're reliving the American Girls series book by book. I'm Mary. I'm Allison. On our episode today, we are so, so excited to bring you a conversation with writer Aubrey Andrus. I don't know if you can sense the excitement in my voice. I just have to pause for a moment and let 10-year-old Mary just scream. But Aubrey was an associate editor at American Girl magazine, which apart from the historic books was my favorite, favorite thing American Girl produced. So we are so excited to bring you a conversation with Aubrey and not waste any time in getting there and hear about her experience, both growing up loving American Girl and then working for the magazine. And stay tuned for the second half of our episode. We're gonna be playing a new game where we offer advice in response to real letters to the help column of the American Girl magazine, if you know, you know, and from historic uh, advice columns in newspapers. So stay tuned. Yeah, so we often ask people, you know, if we could do an episode on anything, what would you want to be covered? And we actually asked that just pretty recently. And someone said, you have to talk more about the magazine. And we are so lucky to have a real American girl turned American woman turned professional, multi-award winning children's book author, Aubrey, here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Welcome, Aubrey. We're so excited to have you. This is the thrill of a lifetime. I want to get into your own kind of American Girl story, because I think something that you shared with me previously was that something that sort of set you apart at American Girl magazine and American Girl, generally speaking, was you were one of the first employees to have grown up with the brand. Yes, I was definitely a super fan before I was an employee. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm sure that was, you know, a big asset to you being at the magazine. Um, (laughs) So I kind of want to just start there. I'll just say I'm so thrilled to have you because other than the historical books, the magazine is by far my favorite thing American Girl produced. So, I mean, this is a big deal to me and it's really great to get to talk about this with you. So if you could take us back in time, you know, can you remember your first introduction to American Girl? Yeah, I started with the dolls. So I grew up in the Midwest, like in the Chicago suburbs and American Girl was uh, founded in Middleton, Wisconsin, which wasn't too far away. And so I don't know if like that helps me get like an early pulse on AG, AG, but uh, (laughs) I was like in it, doing it from the beginning like age five. And um, so I had a Kirsten doll and that was kind of my first entry. But um, I do also remember the very first issue of American Girl magazine and being just totally obsessed. And because, yeah, first and foremost, I'm totally here as an American Girl magazine super fan, like longtime reader. And (laughs) my first job just happened to be at American Girl magazine because I was that diehard. And yeah, so I I just remember reading the magazine and loving it. (laughs) And there was like one point where I, I was really into those like summer blowouts, like, you know, like the summer issue, like, you know, you're out of school and gives you like 50 ways to like stay cool this summer or something like that. And, um, I remember I probably read the magazine like longer than you were supposed to, like it's for eight to 12 year olds, but I was like started, you know, at like age seven and like kept reading probably till age like. 14. Um, and I saw that one of these, 
features was repurposed from like four years ago. <laughs> that was my first like kind of like moment where I was like, oh, these are like like humans who write this stuff and maybe they were too busy to like come up with something new. And like, why didn't they ask me? Like I would have come up with 50 ways to <laughs> stay cool this summer. And so that was kind of like, I feel like the first little gem of me being like, I could work there one day. <laughs> I love that. Can I go back and ask, did you pick Kirsten? No, I was like five. And I think my mom picked her because um, my grandpa was Swedish. And like, so yeah, I should, I should ask my mom why she gotcha. picked that one. But yeah, that's just kind of uh, the first doll that was given to me. And I was very like, I, I, because she was my first, I definitely have a special spot for her because I remember my mom reading her first book to me, like so vividly when I was like five and that scene when Marta dies, like, <laughs> was like life-changing, you know, like, and it was like the way that I, or like the time that I, I learned that books could make you like feel things and like really take you on a journey. <laughs> and so I feel like that, you know, that also like kind of got me hooked on reading and, um, yeah. So she'll always have a special spot for me. <laughs> I'm wondering if speaking of reading, can you recall kind of like the other magazine offerings that American Girl was sort of like competing against or contributing to before we get into like your path to American Girl magazine. Like, did you read anything else for kids like highlights or I mean, Allison and I read Nickelodeon and Entertainment Weekly, <laughs> not a kids magazine, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> yeah, I read like people, <laughs> my mom's people magazines. Um, no, I was totally into into kids magazines. Um, loved Nickelodeon magazine, like super into that. And I think like Disney adventures was another big one I would get. And oh, wow. I, I forgot about that. About I got one that was Catholic and I remember they, we used to do Catholic celebrity profiles and their crush oh, profile no. was Carson Daly. <laughs> and I'll never forget that. And it was like, girls, he once thought about being a priest, like think about it oh my and he god paints one fingernail black so he's dangerous but he's also religious like i don't really know what i was supposed to take from that but i have a very clear memory of that oh my gosh this is hilarious yeah but american girl was my favorite <laughs> by far so i feel like i have to confess that i did not read the american girl magazine i was into a lot of other stuff but i was a very avid reader of entertainment weekly for our, like decades and I used to love on the last page, they would have these like snarky profiles. And um, Joel Osteen wrote them for a while, the pop culture critic. And when I first got an email address, one of the first things I did was write him a note when his column ended. And he wrote me back and said, thanks for reading dot 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 and noticing, which I still feel like in my soul is so dark. And I, I like, I wish I could tell him now, like, I'm sorry for writing to you when I was like 12, because <laughs> I would not do that now. <laughs> oh man, I get that though. Cause like, you're kind of writing into a void. You don't really know, you know, if anyone's reading. <laughs> You don't think anyone's going to write back to your email either. And I was like, oh, my gosh, he actually wrote back. OK, I need to, you know, change this. But that is what was great about American Girl magazine, though, is because we would get so many letters from readers. And so that was like so reassuring. And they were just so sweet. And and yeah, it was wonderful. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of amazing how many products. Um, so like kind of looking through the archives of print materials, how many American Girl library 
books have passages written by girls, have responses written by girls. There's an advice book called What Would You Do? And the replies are based on girls' replies. What was it like to kind of like have your first day at work and go from being a reader of something that you love to actually being on the other side of those letters or those emails by the time you were working there? Yeah, it was actually letters because because um, of child privacy, like child online privacy laws, like they couldn't really email us. So we were getting mm. handwritten letters and and it was it was weirdly like comforting because I, I I was one of those girls, you know, so it was like it mm. it didn't feel weird. Like I was just like, oh, my gosh, this is this is exactly who I was, you know, and, and it was cool to see how much the other editors like cared so much about these girls. And so it was like just very like heartwarming to like know that I always felt like on the that's part of the reason why I loved the magazine is like I felt like they really cared about girls you know and mm. really I like understood us and once I started working there it was like that was 100% the truth <laughs> and and yeah it was um there was like two women on staff who whose literal like full-time jobs was to read the mail, you know, like we just got so many letters and Mm. that's what made me really sad when the magazine, the magazine like shuttered very quietly, quietly in early 2019 and no one on the internet really talked about it. And even though like there was these kind of agey nostalgia, like articles growing on the, you know, like going viral. And I thought maybe like hello giggles or Buzzfeed might like do something. And I was like, so pumped when I I found you guys and was like, okay, someday they're going to give the magazine, (laughs) you know, like some kind of, uh, I don't know, memorial, like a proper burial. (laughs) And, um, yeah, part of, uh, the reason I'm so sad that the magazine shut down was because that was like the only direct connection that I feel like the company had with girls, like because of these online privacy laws, you can't really like email, um, you know, kids. And mm. um, so I do feel like that was such a sad like loss for the company because it really was the only way to get that. Like, I mean, it was so unique and those letters mm. would get routed to other departments and like all around the company. And like, I mean, it was just like this direct line of communication that, that I think is probably what makes American Girls stand out from other brands, you know, for girls. Um, cause they really had a pulse on like what girls were thinking about and caring about and needing, you know? Yeah. I mean, isn't that also how you got your job in part was that you were, you brought with you to your interview, a special letter that you had actually sent to American girl. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I kind of fell into the job because um, I was a journalism major and like was still looking for a job as like graduation approached. And the journalism school like sent out a weekly email with some like internship and like job updates. And they had a listing for an, a PR internship, like a paid PR internship at American Girl. And I almost like lost my mind because it had never (laughs) dawned on me that I was going to the University of Wisconsin-Madison and Middleton was literally (laughs) right next door. Like in four years that had never occurred to me that like American Girl had been 20 minutes away. And so I like freaked out and applied. It got, and then in the interview, I brought this letter that it was like a whole thing, like a whole package. Me and my sister, uh, I think when I was like 12 and she was like six, we like made this little like catalog with all of our ideas for like the girl of today dolls <laughs> and like like a camping set and like just all these sketches and um and we sent it to them and they wrote back and sent it back to us to keep and then I brought that in and I think that was like 
became clear that I was very much a fan of a longtime fan of American Girl <laughs> and was like one of the first. There was like one other girl I knew that was young enough to have actually played with the dolls and was working there. Um, so, yeah, it was probably very unusual at the time, but I'm sure they see that much more frequently now. <laughs> yeah. Like, what did they make of that? Having like former fans as employees, like, cause to you, Kirsten is like Kirsten and to them it's, you know, something they know about, care about, but it's not the same as like, I have a Kirsten doll. I was there when Marta died, like different experience. Yeah. I mean, it really like freaked out my bosses and my coworkers because I was 22 and the person who was closest in age to me was 30. And, and then, you know, went up from there. And so I was just like the total baby on staff. And I, they would like talk about repurposing a party from the past. Like, oh, you know, we really should bring back that bowling party. Like it was so cool. (laughs) And what if we like, you know, like revamped it for like girls today and like did a new photo shoot. And I'd be like, oh, I had that birthday party when I was a kid. And they're like, what? (laughs) (laughs) You know, like they just, it would totally freak them out. I mean, can you take us through like your first day? Like what were your f- initial duties at American Girl magazine? Like what does a day in your life look like at American Girl? Yeah, it was. Yeah. So basically I did my PR internship and just got lucky that at the end of the summer, um, a, an associate editor position opened up at the magazine, like just totally lucked out on timing because it's a very small staff and like positions don't open up very frequently. And I was I able to get an interview and my PR boss talked me up and then I showed up on the first day and was just like so pumped. And it's funny because like their offices are definitely like um, much more like corporate America than you would think, you know, <laughs> but I was still like so <laughs> wide eyed <laughs> like this is amazing. <laughs> and um, oh, pretty much on the first day, I got to like really meet everyone and learn what everyone did. And I met um, my coworker, Jessica, and she was the lifestyle editor. So I was the associate editor doing a lot of um, taking care of a lot of the reader submitted content and like features. Like if we ever Mm. did one of those, like send in your artwork and we'll pick, you know, some winners. Um, I was like helping to pick those winners and that kind of thing. And, um, but I learned right away on day one that Jessica was the lifestyle editor and that she got to do all the crafts and the parties and the games and go to all these photo shoots. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like that is the oh job God. I want, you know? So I immediately had my eye on that job. And within a year she had left to become a product developer. Um, and uh, cause she's like got an amazing designer and uh and writer and yeah so then i ended up landing that job and so that job was like the highlight of my time in american girl magazine and every day was different it was like some days were working in the test kitchen or the craft room or going to a photo shoot oh my like God. we sometimes had a photo shoot in like miami or new york and um sometimes just in the studio downstairs you know um so it was cool because i didn't have like a traditional desk job per se you know it was actually like oh away from my desk and like styling things more than I was like writing per se, you know? Um, And it was just like super fun and a really cool crash course and like learning about food styling and like, you know, styling crafts and like making things look pretty for photo shoots and uh, working with photographers and models and um, just, this was like pre Pinterest. So we were just like coming up with ideas, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like, like just like looking for inspiration and 
yeah. So it was just like super fun, everyday different. Did you feel like Martha Stewart Jr. or like 2.0? Like in a, it's oh, interesting totally. you say it's pre-Pinterest, <laughs> but it seems like you were kind of drawing on her sort of tradition. Yes, we were definitely like subscribing to Martha Stewart living magazine and like kind of wow. you know taking inspiration from her and yeah <laughs> I love that for you yeah wow <laughs> so I fun. mean I- I'm sorry I'm just staring into space I can't even fathom your life at this time and there's a part of me that's like <laughs> I fully did hear you tell me that the magazine wound down in 2019 like I just want you to know I'm living with you in reality and I still am thinking like how do I get this job like right how do I get in there you know what I mean <laughs> Totally. I know that's crazy. I mean, it's not though. It was like the best job ever. And yeah, I, I, I only left because my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband was decided to get his MBA and was doing that in a different state. And I, I wanted some, this was around like 2009 and I wanted some more digital experience and like social media and email marketing, that kind of thing, which was good for me at the time. But yeah, that was by far my best job. Nothing has been cooler than that. <laughs> so can I ask, like, I'm, I would love to hear some examples. Like, what is what is the best party that you were involved in, like writing a planning guide to for the magazine or a craft or anything really that comes to mind of like really special examples to you? Yeah, I think the first one that kind of comes to mind was uh, a uh, just like a, a straight up slumber party that we did. I think we called it Slumber Wonders, which also was the name of a slumber party book that I wrote for the uh, for American Girl. But we just got to go wow. to to New York for this photo shoot and have like real kid models. They were like very talented and mostly like actresses. And um, it was just like a super traditional slumber party where you're going to like decorate a pillow and like, you know, just have the sleeping bags on the ground and just really we really just like blew out like a dream slumber party and so that was like kind of a highlight because it was just like I felt super cool to be like in New York at a photo shoot and making this like beautiful photo shoot set which was like just girlhood like dreams you know like dream sleepover (laughs) it was super fun so it's kind of interesting I actually have the book slumber wonders and I have a few different like editions but it seems like the books were very heavy on illustrations and then it seems like the magazine was all about featuring like real girl models is that's because one is for subscribers and then one is for a different audience like what's kind of is there a logic there is that just like a choice for production or like licensing or is that just totally something I've made up but it it is a pattern like that most of the books are illustrated and they don't feature real people yeah that that is a good question there's a few things going on one it's just like um basically budget like um, oh. when you so it was, it was um, the glamour pajama party from Slumber Wonders is the one I was uh, referencing, um, but yeah, so th- it's illustrated in this book, but it was photographed in the magazine, yeah. and so basically, um, I think you're paying a photographer for the rights to imagery for a certain amount of time. Often mm-hmm. is I think, and um, also I think it was just a way to make it look different. Also, like book and magazine were two very different like departments and like functioned as different businesses so they kind of like had to create it sounds weird but like they kind of had to create their own content you know like we would like share some stuff but also they kind of operated separately as far as budgets go so 
Um, yeah, I think just very boring budgetary reasons <laughs> and probably cause illustrations definitely, um, I don't know. They're a little bit more timeless than like a photo shoot, you know, like yeah. eventually something's going to look dated, you know, um, in a photo shoot, like clothing or whatever. Whereas like an illustration of a girl can probably last a bit longer, you know, when I read these books now, like the back of this guide has like a 20 page thing you can pull out to like actually plan your glamour pajama. And I'm like, I wish I had any event in my life be this elaborate, <laughs> like now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, moms love these like pull out shopping lists in the back, <laughs> but it is kind of ridiculous when I, I look back at these, but as a kid, I loved it. Oh my gosh. Like I used to have slumber parties for my birthday and like would hand make the invitations. And like, I mean, this is like, you know, big project for like a 10 year old that you dedicate like hours to you know, I was all about it. <laughs> I just feel like, I mean, I love the party planning scale of the sleepover parties. I myself like found sleepovers super stressful because I've never been someone who can sleep. So I'd always be like, oh man, like I'm going to be up at someone's house all night, just sort of like wandering around. And American Girl didn't really offer me a party theme that was like how to snoop in a stranger's house <laughs> at 2 a.m. But that was the theme that I was looking for. Speaking of illustrations or photos looking dated, I want to tell you I'm staring here at some covers of real American Girl magazines. And my favorite dated image is not dated because of the photo, but because it's um, advertising I'm just pulling this out. It's the January, February 2000 issue, and it's advertising Am Amelia's Y2K predictions. Oh, and I just, nice. I love that American Girl magazine was brave enough to take on Y2K. <laughs> I love that. I'll have to look it up. <laughs> well, to me, something that was so special about the magazine was that it did have party planning guides that were really fun and cool. Like, I remember the bowling party guide being something that really stayed with me as like this seemed like so fun and aspirational, but it also just had these very vulnerable moments where like real girls would be sort of sounding off on things in the heart to heart section, you know, or like in features. And I just like that to me is what has really stayed with me is like it's all like American Girl made space for all of these kinds of things. Yes, I love that. And that was directly because girls were sending us all of their like they like trusted us and were sending us all their thoughts and feelings. And I mean, it was so real, you know, like we didn't have to look far for content. And frankly, I know a lot of people always ask, they're like, how did you like, even if you were, even though I was 22 when I started and was frankly, fairly close in age, you know, much closer in age to these girls than everyone else on staff, like just like girlhood is pretty timeless. You know, like it was when I was working there, it was during the height of like Hannah Montana and like people, kids were getting cell phones early. So it was kind of like weird, mm. you know, that was very different from my childhood, but um at the same time, the letters that were coming in were just the same things I had been dealing with as a girl, you know, so it really doesn't change, you know, it's that we all had the same kind of issues with friends or families or feeling confident or feeling stressed out by school or whatever, you know, those same core like ideals never really changed. So it was kind of easier than you'd think to identify with like girlhood and making the magazine a safe space for these girls. 
Yeah, I mean, that that's what really stays with me, too. I'm wondering if um, in your editorial meetings, did people kind of bring their own experiences to the ideas for different stories, whether it's like something like a craft or, you know, a feature or that kind of thing? Yeah, we basically had like something I really, really um, learned how to do there was brainstorming. It was like a big part of the job. And we would have like once a month, we would have these brainstorm days where we went into the the creative room, which was like a fancy conference room that was, you know, a little less stark <laughs> than the other ones. <laughs> and um, we would like get all these snacks from Trader Joe's and just like brainstorm like crazy. And because we were a bi-monthly magazine, you know, like every other month, like we could just fill out an entire year in like one conversation, you know, like we always had a backlog of ideas. So yeah, people would definitely um, bring ideas based off letters from girls or ideas based off their childhood or, you know, we, we just, it wasn't hard to come up with ideas. Like I said, we were just like kind of in the zone and uh, had so many, um, so much inspiration from the girls themselves. And yeah, it was, it was never, or, or like if people had kids, you know, who were around that age group, they would definitely be inspired by something that was going on in their lives. But yeah, it was not hard to find kind of, I feel like we just, the magazine could have lasted forever. Like there's just always something to talk about when, you know, childhood is very complicated and growing up as a girl in particular, you know, is, is very nuanced. So there's always something to talk about. Do you feel like a girl who maybe would have written a letter, you know, 10 or 15 years ago is now asking those kinds of questions on social media instead? Like, do you think that's kind of where some of those conversations have migrated to for better or for worse? Yeah, probably. Um, or maybe more like, it's it's kind of like what we probably do as adults too, where you just kind of like post something on your Instagram story or something. And maybe it's a, a call for help, like some recommendations, but sometimes you're just complaining to the world or like a tweet, you know? Um, so yeah, it probably is like less personal than it used to be, like less one-on-one advice and more like just kind of complaining to the world <laughs> and seeing if anyone's listening. <laughs> but yeah, I'm not, I'm not positive. I'm, or maybe, you know, text chains. I don't know. I wonder if there's a part of it that's like, if you made a, qu- a comment or you put a question out there on social media now, part of what you could get access to in a different way then the magazine was like seeing other responses on that thread of people like directly responding to you or like so it's sort of like the sidebar conversations that I guess you could be more directly involved in on social media whereas with the magazine it's like I might read someone's question and help and relate to it but I have no way of saying to that person like wow your question really resonated with me or like I agree or whatever it's more just like it's all mediated through the magazine in a sense. Yeah, that is true. There's probably a lot more opportunity. I mean, one great thing the internet has done is, you know, let like-minded people find each other and comfort each other, you know, and just celebrate certain hobbies and interests, just like this, this podcast. (laughs) Um, And so that is true that there could actually maybe be better side conversations. And that is the benefit of digital as opposed to print. (laughs) I think what's also so different about the advice that they gave girls is that so much of it is about figuring out what makes sense for you, like reading historic advice columns to prepare for talking to you today. So much of the advice is so like going back over the past hundred years, it's so declarative, right? And there's a lot of kind of judgment. It's like, well, this is what you should do. And 
American Girl, I think, deployed multiple choice really well to help people in thinking about how to make different kinds of decisions as opposed to just providing like one direct answer, right? Knowing that millions of readers actually need different ways to come up with their own answers. I totally agree. Yeah, it was my editor who responded to those help questions, like took a lot of time and was so thoughtful with those responses. And it was, you know, like that's like what was great about the magazine. It was like you're taking these girls seriously and like giving them some real advice, you know, not just like listen to your mom you know and or like <laughs> right. like you said like well this is this is the way it is you know it's like kind of yeah giving them confidence to be themselves and to make their own choices and yeah like you said just do what's best for them yeah i mean i'm, I'm also struck by just like how overtly empowering the, the magazine was of girls just generally speaking not to return us to the y2k issue of the magazine but it does its featured article is called 100 great things about being a girl and I just want to let you both know that reading this 100 list, I feel extremely old. It's some of the things that they celebrate about being a girl. Like one of them is Skechers, question mark. <laughs> um, one of them, number nine is um, Madam President, the chances of you running for office someday and winning are better than ever. This is from January 2000. Moment of silence. Oh boy. Um <laughs> Yeah, But, you know, I mean, a lot of these are about embracing things that make girls feel insecure. Like they talk about braces and one of them is braces are beautiful. And, you know, there's all these things about sort of embracing the things that might make you uncomfortable or self-conscious. And I think that that's such a valuable thing. Yeah, it, I think that's why I liked it so much. It just felt like such a safe space. And I was I was the oldest child and my sister was six years younger than me. I didn't have an older sibling, you know, to like, I don't know, introduce me to like the idea of boys and makeup and that kind of thing. And so I feel like American Girl Magazine and American Girl in general was one of the few places where it was like, just kind of okay to like be yourself and be a kid and not worry about like, yeah, you know, if you look at like teen magazines, I mean, I look at a Cosmo magazine that I would read like in high school and I'm like what was I doing reading this like Like, actually seriously why were we reading that (laughs) you know it's just not anything we were doing in our lives anything we should be caring about you know like it's I feel like there was such a huge shift in my life from middle school to high school where it did become in high school it's just all about like fitting in and making other people happy and you really could lose who you are as a person. And so, um, yeah, American girl throughout elementary and middle school, I feel like helped me hang on to that, you know, and like just kind of be happy with who I was and not feel forced to grow up. Hey everyone, it's Mary here to talk to you again about one of our favorite sponsors, HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Now, real talk, I don't like grocery shopping at all, and HelloFresh tells me that using their service is 72% cheaper than dining at a restaurant and even cheaper than grocery shopping. I'm going to presume they're talking about me because every time I do go to the grocery store, I walk away with, you know, many things I don't actually need. It's more of a want. I'm talking about polar seltzer. 
various things that listeners know that I love. And recently I've been watching that HBO show about Julia Child, and it's led me to believe in a fantasy that I too could be a home chef, not unlike Julia Child. And listen, you know, when you reach for the stars, you know, you don't always get there. And that's my story. But I've been really enjoying a lot of the things from HelloFresh that are of the Mediterranean variety. I don't know if Julia would approve of that, but I certainly do. And, you know, I once did read that Julia Child loved Burger King. I'm not sure if that's true, but I do want to just take that a step further and say, were she alive today? I do believe she would like HelloFresh. Like, maybe... I don't know. It's really stressful to have to cook for someone and impress them. So were I to have her to my house for dinner, maybe I'm pulling out garden spinach ricotta ravioli. I don't know. I got to think about that. But all to say, I've really enjoyed making these and I make these at home with my wife and we really just have fun like trying to put it together and follow the recipes and, you know, kind of catch up on our day as we do it. And I'm sure that's something that you can all relate to as well. So if this sounds good to you, go to HelloFresh.com slash AmericanGirls16 and use code AmericanGirls16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. Let me know if you're out there, if you think that Julia Child would be down with this. I don't know. I want answers. But once again, if you want to give this a go for yourself, go to HelloFresh.com slash AmericanGirls16 and use code AmericanGirls16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. Uh, So I don't know if by way of pivot, we can invite you to play a new game with us. I would love to. (laughs) So we know that you were not in charge of responding to the help column, but we kind of wanted to give us all the experience of, you know, what would it be like if we got to sound off on some of the real queries sent into the help column, which for the uninitiated was truly the most chaotic section of the magazine to me. And by that, I mean, it was my favorite of people writing in with all kinds of questions, some of which were relatable to me, some not. But I love to play a game with my mom where I would read, and my brothers, I would read the question that was sent in and they would all guess what the advice should be or what they would advise, and then I would read the answer. So that's in part what's inspired our game. So we're excited to play with both some American Girl questions and some advice columns from years past, which Allison has found. So (laughs) we're excited. Maybe we'll do like every other, like we'll start with American Girl and then we'll do a few from the past. Okay, sounds great. Um, so if you want, I can start with American Girl Magazine and I will, so the way the game will work is I will read the question that was sent in by a reader. In this case, it's from 2000. And then I would love your advice. What would you tell this person? And then I'll read the answer and we can all see how we feel about that. Um, so this first question comes from the January, February, 2000 issue and it reads, help, I've lost my friend's CD. It was in my room. I never touched it, but now it's gone. And it's signed, still looking. Of course, all of the questions have great sign-offs. What do you imagine? Like, what advice would you have for this person? Yeah, Allison, do you want to go first or do you want me to? Yeah, I'll give it a go. I'm going to say you got to burn a new one. You have to find the computer that's most likely to crash anyway and get on LimeWire. Or I use Kazaa. So my brother had already riddled our family computer that we shared with viruses. So Kazaa like really wasn't hurting anyone anymore than she had already been hurt. So I would get on Kazaa, I would burn a CD. I still have my burned CDs. I don't know if they work because I have nothing to play them on, but I'm gonna say like 
if it's like a now this is music CD, that might be really hard, but I'm going to say you have to just try to make your own. That That's that's my wow. best advice. Oh, wow. You're never finding it. Not in my <laughs> so room. So basically, like, you're inviting this person to start a life of crime to solve yes. this problem. Okay. Yes. Fair. Okay. Aubrey, your thoughts? I love it. Um, I would say that even though you're feeling worried about it, you're going to have to come clean sometime soon. Tell her that it's, find it, it's missing. You're going to keep looking. And if you don't find it by X date, that you'll buy her a new one, unfortunately. <laughs> And to maybe maybe take better care of, of your things in the future that come from a friend's by like <laughs> wow. putting it in a special spot or, you know, promising to return it by a certain date or that kind of thing. Oh, my God. All right. I would sort of split the difference and sort of inspired by Allison and also real life because I did this. I lost somebody's CD and then I later found it. And the issue wasn't that I lost it because I did find it, but I found it and it had been scratched quite a bit, which if you think back to those times was like a real life issue. I found some sketchy spray at a dollar store, which claimed it would smooth out the scratches. I applied it. It did not work. But I basically was like, here's a chemical I bought for you and I've applied it. And like, if this doesn't work, like we kind of have to hold science accountable at this stage of the game. And it didn't really work out for me, but I'm just throwing that out there as a solution you shouldn't try. (laughs) But here's what American Girl advised. Tell your friend right away. Don't wait for her to ask for her CD back and she'll be real or she'll be really mad at you when you tell her you lost it. Replace the CD with your own money or promise to replace it as soon as you can. Your friend will probably forgive you, though she might not want to lend you things again. And here's a tip for next time. Think <laughs> twice about borrowing something if you can't afford to replace it. Wow. Oof, that's rough. <laughs> they kind of came down hard on this person, I feel like. Yeah. That is a tough lesson to learn. But, you know, Aubrey, I feel like you were closest in a sense. Sorry, Allison. I guess the magazine couldn't officially (laughs) suggest um, burning a CD, although that does seem like a reasonable solution. Should we go to a historic example? Yeah. So um, some of the historic columns that I looked up were things like Help Me Helen, Dear Abby, Dear Prudy, all of those. Um, So I'll start with the Dear Abby because I think she's one of the most famous. And this one, I have no idea how this came up in the targeted searches that I was doing. But let's just say this one found me. So the advice is it starts with unload your problems on Abby. For a personal reply, send a self-addressed stamped envelope to Abby. Um, this is the letter that she got from someone called Foreman. Dear Abby, my coworker goes for every goofy fad he hears about. His latest is phrenology, which is having the bumps on his head read by a nut who calls himself a phrenologist. I told him he is throwing his money away. He pays $5 a reading and goes once a week, but he tells me he has found out a lot about the past and future through these bumps. Is there anything to this or am I behind the times? And this came out in 1962. Wow. And what was this person's name? So um, they tended to use pseudonyms. So he is just listed as foreman. So he's the foreman on the job. Um, and he's talking about his coworker. Got it. So what do, what do we say to foreman? I can tell you what Abby says, which surprised me. But, but what do you think, Uh-oh. Aubrey? I tell foreman to back off. It's not your <laughs> money. And it's not your problem. And if someone else wants to pursue some kind of passion let it be don't let this 
let it roll off your back, not your business. <laughs> ask maybe that, tell them you don't, you know, ask if they won't talk to you about this, if it, if it annoys you that much, but um, otherwise smile and nod and move on with your life. <laughs> Interesting. Your your advice is always so mature and well thought, whereas mine is like going nuclear at every turn. Like for me with this person, I agree with you. I think you have to let the freak flag fly at a certain point if everyone is a consenting adult and it's their own money. I would also ask them for like lottery tips or stock tips just to kind of like do my own study. Like, is there something to this? What's going on here? Yeah. So Abby, unfortunately, doesn't advise that. I feel like a guy who has $5 extra a week for these kinds of readings, I would be like, hey, can we maybe get in on a pyramid scheme together? Mm -hmm. That's not what she advises. She says, dear foreman, the bumps on your coworker's head could be caused by the rocks inside. You are not behind the times. (laughs) Your coworker is. Wish him a speedy recovery. And I pulled this one in part because I was actually shocked and I I shouldn't be, but looking back at these old articles, clearly this is partially for entertainment, right? Like I've been a reader of Dear Prudy for years and years, like, you know, or I follow like threads on Reddit that do similar things. They don't help people. Like as a contrast to American (laughs) Girl, most of the replies are very cheeky or they're very sort of like over the top um obviously different people were dear abby over time but unlike american girl which i think takes every problem seriously as it should like this was not a helpful reply so yeah i agree pretty judgmental (laughs) yikes Okay, so I would like to take us back to American Girl magazine, and now we're going to jump to March, April, also of 2000. This is for all the pet lovers out there. My family and I went to a pet store. I got to pet a little kitten. It loved me, exclamation point, and I loved it, but it cost $65. I told my parents I'd take care of it. They said maybe, but I didn't believe them. Can you help me find a way to get that kitten? Sign kitten lover. Allison, your thoughts? I I think if you're not really fully prepared to take on like the financial duties associated with a pet, like there's nothing but the best for my cat Raymond. Like it's just not your time. That's what I'll say. Wow. Okay. Got it. So I would have to have a hard line with that if I was going to give this person advice. Like whenever I see pets being given as like holiday gifts it's like it's not a good idea or say molly molly receiving puppies yeah no surprise puppies yeah never forget aubrey what do you think i agree uh on both accounts uh definitely that was something in the magazine that we like strongly enforced was like making sure it was some kind of puppy as a Christmas present was never shown because we would sometimes have pet, <laughs> pets on the cover and so they were not going to be on the like November, December cover <laughs> or like wow. not, not with a bow on the head in a box, you know, kind of right. thing. Um, but yeah, I would say that this is going to have to be a family decision and you could um, start saving up. You just show that you're responsible by starting to save up and maybe taking out some other chores and uh, gaining your parents' trust but this is a huge commitment. This is a conversation I'm dreading having with my daughter someday in the future because <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely allergic to pets. Oh, <laughs> so, really? Yeah, so it's never happening. I would also <laughs> say maybe, and I know this is hard for 
little kid, you know, like kids under the age of like 16 or something, but you could try to volunteer at a, um, Mm. A, you know, some kind of animal shelter or even offer to pet sit like a neighbor's, you know, animal and as a little test run and see if it's that's a very good idea you and your family. Wow, that's a really good idea. I was it's interesting. Neither of you said catnapping. <laughs> and I know that because, you know, when I was 13 or so, my mom, in a move of like gender equality, made my older brother and I both take the babysitting course and we took it at this health club with this woman who was truly unhinged, to use one of Alice and I's favorite words. And all the course was about was about how she catnapped, like kidnapped cats off the street using laundry baskets in her van. And she owned like 10 cats. That's all I remember about I'm a certified babysitter. That's all I can really talk to you about babysitting. But yeah, okay, I'm glad that that's, that's not part of the conversation. Um, okay, just just you know checking myself here. So here's what the magazine had to say to Kitten Lover. The way to get a kitten is by working, not whining. Show your parents you've got what it takes to be a great pet owner. Do the work you already have without being reminded. Think about earning more money for pet expenses. So Allison, they're kind of getting at your point. Keep up the good work for a few weeks, then ask again. No whining, remember? If you do go back to the store and that kitten's gone, consider getting one from a humane society. Good luck. <laughs> I'm not I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure about this advice. Yeah, a couple of weeks is probably not long enough to <laughs> gain your parents' trust and yeah. Okay, so our next column comes from the Brooklyn Daily Eagle, and this is from 1924, and this was kind of, from what I can see, a short-lived series where um, a writer under the name Dottie Dahl wrote, uh, <laughs> wrote back to people, uh, presumably dolls, writing into the children's section of the newspaper. So I think this, this has to be fictional unless this is also a magical article. But um, I think our readers, like, they actually really need an answer to this question. Dear Dottie, I am a beautiful doll with long yellow hair, which at <laughs> one time was very curly. One day I attended an afternoon lawn party with other dolls, and afterward, nobody came to bring us back to Sandpile Village. We wandered around in the garden, lost all night, and a rainstorm came. My hair became perfectly straight, and it has never been curly since. What shall I do? Signed, Anxious Reader. Wow. I was oh, no. anxious just listening to that. <laughs> I think you have straight hair now and it is what it is. Embrace the new look. <laughs> There's no going wow. back. Unfortunately, that does seem to be like the only path, like far be it for me to suggest that once you're straight, you can never go back to being not straight. But <sighs> I don't know. I don't understand enough about the technology involved to know how you go back to what was before. Like that's a weak hair is a weak point for me. Yeah, so she, there's no uh, there's no doll hospital for Dottie to offer a referral to. So they're they're kind of limited in their options. Dottie's advice is, my dear anxious reader, I understand how badly you must feel, and I am going to try and help you. Remember, it's 1924. Why not get your hair bobbed? Then it won't matter whether it's curly or not. Oh my I God. hope this will solve your problem, Dottie doll. Whoa. I just want to say. <laughs> oh, my God. Something I love about Dottie and her replies is Miss Doll will answer all free letters addressed to her. Tell her your troubles if you have any. If not, borrow some. Like, 
Dottie oh wants God. those letters coming in. I'll just say the the other letter I found from this series is like very, very typical of advice columns in the 20th century, which is basically a a female person writing in and saying, I want this man. What should I do about it? And the reply basically being like, he'll let you know if it's time. <laughs> and this is true of this doll column as well, where this doll says, I'm considered good looking by my friends. She wants a toy soldier to ask her out. And she says, I like his looks very much. Shall I ask him to marry me? And Dottie says, certainly not. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I mean, because intense. the idea of like a female doll like proposing is not cool in 1924. No. So Dottie is suggesting that a friend engineer a meet cute. And then if he doesn't propose within a time that's good for blue eyed doll, she says, if you have to wait too long, get your friend to introduce you to some other doll signed Dottie doll. Like, Dottie oh is trying to model some like fierce behavior in the dating world through this through this doll column. But it's also like yeah. she's here for like jazz age stuff, but to a point. Like on one hand, she's like, Yeah, bob your head, girl, like bob your hair, girl, like no looking back, even though like we can never come back from a doll haircut. Like that's yeah. truly permanent. But at the same time, she'll go that far, but not far enough to be like, Yeah, you could ask a man out. No big deal. Like that's the world we're in now modern age. So Sandpile Village is sort of like the the pleasant company like world that these dolls live in and no one's worried that Anxious was like left alone to wander in the garden all night like no companions picked them up. I think these are like obviously cautionary tales for young girls but it's like do not leave your doll in public and do not chase after a man. They're like if you take two things away from this <laughs> massive children's section those are your two takeaways. Wow. <laughs> I mean, yikes. In some ways, I feel like Valerie Tripp, like, read these advice columns and was like, <laughs> I seem pretty, like, you know, milquetoast compared to what Dot- what Dottie's getting up to. So wow. true. <laughs> um, okay. I want to take us, again, we're in 2000. I wanted to keep us in the year of the millennial, if you will. But now we're in the summer months. We're in the July-August issue. And now we're going to be talking about, you know, a subject I care a lot about, and that's vacation. Um, Here's the letter. My friend invited me to go on a vacation with her family. We talked about it a lot, and I got very excited. Then she invited a different friend and uninvited me. She really hurt me, exclamation point. Help, exclamation point. Signed, uninvited. This one's bleak. Yikes. This is tough. I mean, Aubrey, rough. do you have any th- do you have any thoughts on this? Like, is this does this hit you where you live? As someone who likes vacation, like friend betrayals being a big a common theme in the help section. Like, yeah. where are you at with this? Yeah, I would say that you're gonna have to try to mend this friendship because that was that was hurtful what your friend did, and. Um, Maybe you can approach them and tell them, like, that really hurt my feelings and see kind of what they say. But it's maybe it's time to take a little break from that friend and find some happiness with some other friends and remember that feeling and not make anyone else feel that way. I was always a big proponent because I wrote these birthday party or party features I was like always a proponent of just like the like invite everyone like mantra or like Mm -hmm. don't hand out invitations at schools 
Mm, and right. you know, at school because people can see and will feel left out. Um, and I think that's kind of like not as cool or like kosher of advice to give these days. Cause they, you know, how like they're teaching kids these days, like you don't have to share if you don't want to like, and it's kind of like, you don't have to invite everyone oh. if you don't want to. Um, so that is an interesting topic, uh, of like, of being uninvited or feeling left out that I think has maybe the thoughts on that have changed over the years, but I would say approach your friends and I'm sorry you went through that and maybe consider whether or not this is a good friend. <laughs> wow. I didn't realize that the politics of that have changed or the policy on that has, has shifted. Yeah. It kind That's of was just brought to my attention because I, I've written for other publishers besides American Girl and I wrote a Lonely Planet Kids book and just like low-key mentions like to invite everyone to a party and um, I've had like multiple people on the internet be like we love this book except this one little part about inviting everybody you don't have to invite everybody <laughs> you know and I'm oh, like wow so, like multiple people called me out <laughs> on that and so um, yeah I think that's like a thing these days there's always like different etiquette I feel like that's changing, you know, surrounding kids mm. and what they should and should be do- shouldn't be doing. That's interesting. Allison, do you have any thoughts about this vacation quandary? You know, I'm kind of with the camp that says like you do not have to invite everyone. Like I'm I'm kind of with that. Like you should do things with like discretion and privately, but I think it sends mixed messages, right? Like I went to parties when I was in elementary school for people I had like absolutely no like connection to whatsoever because then I felt obliged to go and to bring them a present and to spend time outside of school. I think like we treat children in so many ways like like little adults, which is not always the best thing. But I think a good lesson is like you can choose with whom you associate, right? And and that that's kind of a good lesson. Like if you are going to do something and be open about it, then you should invite everyone, but that there's space for like only really spending the time that you have outside of school with people you care about. Um, in terms of the vacation, I feel like there may have been some criteria that was not mentioned. Like maybe this is a snorkel heavy vacation and the friend has claustrophobia or can't swim. So you could ask some subtle follow up questions. But, you know, going on vacation with someone else's family is not truly free. So that's all I'll say about that. I, I think you're <laughs> I think you're dodging a real issue here. So I think like protect your own peace and, and forget all about the trip. I think that's fair. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I think oh. I think it's hard. I think it's hard. Um, I also think like, you know, with everything with these advice columns, it's like what's right for you and your family may not be right for everyone else. But the Internet exists to amplify people who say, you know, but have you thought of this one aspect of my life experience? You know, it's like, no, sorry, not every time. But yeah, it's hard. It's hard. And, and I think friendship hurts when you're a young person or are really deep. And, you know, so I feel like this is the most primal one that we've read so far. But anyway, here's the response from American Girl. Ouch, you learned something important about this girl and your friendship. Next time she asks you to go somewhere exciting, be sure her parents and your parents hear about it. That way, everyone knows the plan and it'll be less likely to change. In the meantime, though, you may want to make your own plans with more reliable friends. I I feel like that's weird advice because it kind of implies that 
as long as all parents involved know about this and agree to it, it doesn't matter what happens between the two friends. So, like, even if this girl had been unkind or, like, rejected her in some way, she might still be obliged to go on the trip with someone who has made it plain she doesn't want her. They're like, I don't know. There's something about this that's odd. Yeah. And I think Allison had a really good point, though, about, like, it is kind of a life lesson. You need to learn that not everybody is going to like you and you're not going to be invited to everything. And that's okay. And you need to, like, right. get over that, you know. And exactly. it's true that maybe she wasn't a good fit for this vacation or maybe her parents couldn't afford it or, you know, whatever. Like, there could be right. a lot going on here. I agree. Yeah, I think that there's some information we weren't given with this question. But, yeah, a lot's going on. Let's do one last one. This is from, you know, Pretty Ancient History, December 1991. I read this article called Dear Dr. Wallace, and he um, gave advice, but he also kind of curated advice from um, actual teens and like what we would call tweens. So it's kind of an interesting model similar to American Girl. So this question, I think, is one that actually um, comes up a lot. And so and it also relates to your expertise, Aubrey. So dear Dr. Wallace, every five months, girls get together for a slumber party. Oh, sorry. Every month, five girls get together for a slumber party. They rotate houses. So each girl is a host every five months. These girls are popular at school. Um, I just shorten it. But this girl, Ashley, finally gets an invite. I had a great time. We popped popcorn, baked cookies, and stuffed ourselves. The girls invited me to be a full-time member and said I could host the next all-night party. The only problem is that all five of the other girls drank at the slumber party. I didn't drink, and they didn't pressure me, but they said it was ritual, and they do it at every party, including my house, if I join the group. I want to hear what the guest writers think. Please hurry with your advice. We are all 14 years old. Ashley from Gary, Indiana. No. <laughs> no drinking. <laughs> this is like wow. the, the things we wouldn't touch. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Hell no. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, frankly, I don't think we ever got a letter like that, you know? I had a similar experience to this in like fifth grade where I was invited to like the cool into the cool friend group and I said no. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like bad, bad kids. Yeah. Wow. I just like, I don't know. I would, I would encourage this girl to question whether or not she really wants to be a part of this group. I love that advice. I think that's really good. I mean, I think, you know, at the end of the day, you have to, you hope you can attract friends and people in your life who can appreciate who you are and your choices, even if they change over time. So, you know, if these girls can't appreciate that you don't want that in your house or that you don't personally want to do that at their house, then... You know, I think it's time to just like set a boundary and say it's not going to happen here, ladies. I mean, I was always tragically uncool, so this is like not a relatable question to me. Like, I it's kind of reminds me of like when you're in the dare program and it prepares you for all these scenarios where people are going to offer you drugs and it's going to be intense and insane. And then like cut to me my whole life and like no one's ever I've never had a single situation (laughs) like that. (laughs) So, Mm. you know, it's always been purely theoretical for me. Yeah. Yeah. The answers are are a hard no. So Dr. Wallace says slumber parties can be great fun, but smuggling and consuming alcohol violates the trust that is given by the parents. Uh, Courtney, who's also a teenager, talks about what she likes about sleepovers and then says alcohol wasn't expected or wanted. 
And then Larry, also a teenager, tells a horrific story about drunk driving and says, I'm no prude, but I think it's totally out of place. And to this, I say, I think this entire article was fabricated. Like the (laughs) way that all of these were written in kind of a similar voice and the level of writing for supposed Ashley from Gary, Indiana, I don't think this was real. I kind of have a sense like this was sort of like a manufactured thing to present a kind of object lesson in the form of fake Ashley. Like I think Dr. W, like he was trying to get himself aligned with Oprah and he was like, what if I come up with these scenarios and then also write the answers myself? Oh my God, you're so right. It would be so much easier. I can promise you we (laughs) never did that. No, no. But I could no, totally but Dr. see w? someone doing that. Wow. I could see it. Yeah. I could see that. Oh, my God. But it's, like, subtle, like a freight train. They just, like, lean too far into it. Yeah. Wow. That also was wow. the height of, like, Dare, though. So what else yes. with that? <laughs> dare was such... I mean, does Dare still happen? That's a good question. Is that still in schools? I just remember my dear detective teacher talking either about how his wife was mad at him and he didn't know why, or telling stories about celebrities that we would be surprised to learn were in gangs or were bad people. And his element, his example was always LL Cool J for wearing a sweatpant one leg up. And he was like, we all know what that means. And he never explained. I still don't know what that means. But it's like LL Cool J is on like shows my parents watch. So it's just like bizarre to think about now. Very strange. Well, I I think this first foray into advice has taught me a lot about like the fact that I still am not an expert on most things related to life things, but I do have fun listening or like reading through some of these old, you know, help questions and hearing some of the historical advice questions. So, you know, listeners out there, if you like this game, please let us know and we'll do more of it. But you know, Aubrey, thank you for being the first person to play it with us. Oh my gosh, it was so fun. I love the historical edition. That was great. <laughs> they were very funny. Yeah, I'll be thinking about that. But Aubrey, I'd love to hear about kind of how your career has pivoted to still kind of be in relationship with American Girl, or at least the subject matter that, you know, American Girl cares about. And I'd love to hear about, you know, we would love to hear about some of the books that you've, you know, had coming out in recent years and maybe your most recent work that people can check out. Yeah. um, If you're looking for some American Girl magazine-esque content, you know, for the eight to 12-year-old girls in your life, um, I published a new book series called The Look Up Series, and it features um, real diverse women in STEM careers like there, I uh, interviewed a toy engineer and a theme park designer and an ice cream scientist. And um, it kind of like, it spurred the idea. I got the idea for many reasons, but one of the most simple kind of like gems of the idea was sort of like, I learned so much American history from American Girl. And like, I just remember being in like sixth grade and taking, I think that's when we took American history for the first time. And I just knew everything. And I thought it was so insane that my like classmates were like hearing about like victory gardens and slavery for like the first time as like a 12 year old. Mm. And meanwhile, I had already like devoured every American, like what if American girl had taught me engineering, you know, or something or taught me Mm. science, you know, like I, I was so... I feel like there is um, just like, I would have loved that, you know, and I always wanted to be a theme park engineer as a kid, but couldn't find any 
content for me. And just with all the women leaving the workplace during the pandemic, like everything kind of snowballed and I, I launched this book series. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's a, if you're looking for some nice, like diverse role models for, for girls, like working women, and they're just really fun biographies. Um, and they also feature some like activity content and some further reading and a little workbook feature in the back. And, um, yeah, I'm just like super proud of the series and excited to get it in the hands of girls. So if you want to like teach an eight-year-old how to like low-key take down the patriarchy, this would be a good <laughs> series to this. look into. Yeah. My background's in journalism. And so being able to like meet other cool women who are like doing awesome things is just been like super exciting. And I would have just loved to have these role models as a kid. Because I think part of the reason why I became a writer was um i really looked up to like judy bloom and and valerie mm. Tripp. frankly you know they were kind yeah. of like both like you know i i could see their pictures in the books and they were i you know like judy bloom in particular like you know i was like she has brown hair and she likes dancing and she you know we, i had these like things i could like connect you know on her level with and and i you know grew up to become an author and like I don't think that was like a super coincidence. Like, I think if I had had, you know, so the first book features my friend Amanda, actually, who's um, a mechanical engineer at a toy company. And if I had had this book and got to see her and, you know, like see myself in her uh, as like a 10 year old, I mean, I think my career could have definitely changed. And these are the kind of careers that we need girls to have in the future because of the lack of diversity and you know the gender gap but they're also like real problems we need to solve on this planet you know in the science and engineering and absolutely yeah this sounds like an awesome series and you know i really want to encourage all our listeners to check it out if you have a american girl aged girl in your life or just you know in my case if you're as tall as a maybe american girl aged girl <laughs> Um, I really look forward to to checking these out. And I love this idea that, you know, what would it mean if we approached girls with the same kind of content that, you know, pushed history for um, girls back in our era from American Girl? I mean, American Girl sort of expanded, I guess, in some ways to non-history topics like um, the girl who wants to be an astronaut and whatever. But yeah, I think this is a much more focused way. And, you know, I love that you wanted to be an amusement park engineer or designer when you were growing up. That's so cool. Yeah, I was like obsessed with Disney Imagineering and it was yeah, oh, just, wow. just a thing. I was also obsessed with American Girl, but yeah, it's it's like one, you know, I, I ended up getting a job at one of those places and not at the other. And I, and I live in LA now. I moved here like six years ago and Disney Imagineering is like 30 minutes away from me, not even, you know? So it just kind of like, I wow. Like, wow. In another life, like I could have like been working there. Like here, I'm here now, you know, like, but I am severely underqualified to go to work for them, you know, and uh, I do write for Disney publishing occasionally. So I went to uh, visit the campus once and just happened to like, as I was pulling in, I passed the Imagineering building and I was like, it was like this wow. total shocker of a moment where I was like, whoa, there it is. Like, that's the building that was in my books, like back in the day, you know, but these were like adult nonfiction books, you know, they weren't helpful to me as a child, you know. Um, but yeah, and then just that combined with having a daughter and like, even, you know, she's only three and a half, but we've already experienced so much like of, it's just incredible how much the like gender biases get thrown on her, you know, and mm. just even things like, you know, 
I want to buy her some Lego Duplos, but all of this, they have all these like Lego and friends kits that are like, not even, it's, it's like a little doll, you know, scene, which is really cute, but like, there's no like building of anything, you know? And I'm just like, how is this so hard to like get my kid some Legos so she can build something, <laughs> you know, like why are right. why is everything that's targeted towards girls just about like playing with the dolls and not like building something. And so, I mean, yeah, there's, that was a lot of it too. And I just, I got obsessed with like finding a female dentist and a female pre- pediatrician for her, even though she was like, you know, one month old, you know, I was like, she needs these female role models. <laughs> and yeah. I mean, yeah, I always had a male doctor and a male dentist. And like, even to this day, it's hard for me to find a, a female dentist, you know, like, or just, mm. I, I don't know, I get really obsessed with things like that, where I, I want her to have, have these like, you know, strong women role models in kind of like desirable careers, you know, like that will pay well and, and make a difference and be fulfilling for her, you know, it's a little way to help eight to 12 year olds uh, find that at least feel confident in themselves and then like feel that there's a space for them in science and technology and and engineering and mathematics and yeah it's you know it's still the statistics are crazy when you look at them there's like 13 percent of engineers are women i mean that's that's like the hardest hit industry i feel like where it's like wow there needs a lot of, of change needs to happen there yeah yeah totally I mean, well, hopefully your book series will help kind of bridge that gap a bit, we hope. Yeah, that's the plan. (laughs) As a final question, I mean, are you going to share your Kirsten doll with your daughter? Oh, great question. I actually have an Aubrey doll when I left American Girl. They made a doll that looks like, yeah, that looks like me. That's kind of like a secret gift you get when you leave. And um, so that's the one that I currently have, like, in my closet hiding from her <laughs> because I don't want her to see it yet. Um, yeah, my other, my Kirsten doll is still at my parents' house. So I may have to request that. She's pretty beat up. I was like, I played with my dolls. She was not like a sit on the shelf, you know, <laughs> kind of doll. So um, her hair is is like wrecked and her, her skin is like a dirtier shade than it <laughs> used to be. <laughs> Um, and her leg fell off at one point, but we sent her to the hospital. Oh my God. Um, Yeah. But yeah, I bought my, my daughter a bitty baby and that was like a very kind of like emotional day where I got to go to the American girl store and, and pick her out. And, you know, um, that was a nice, like full circle moment for me. Well, I don't want to take up too much of your time and I so appreciate you sharing so much of your experience with us. And if folks want to find you online and kind of ask questions about your series or any of the other work that you do, where's the best place to reach you? Yeah. So if you're interested in, um, the new book series I'm working on, you can go to the lookupseries.com. So just T-H-E-L-O-O-K-U-P series.com. And if you want to find me, you I have a website and an Instagram. It's all under my first name, last name. So it's A-U-B-R-E-A-N-D-R-U-S. You could at Aubrey Andrus or AubreyAndrus.com. Thank you so much. Allison, if Thank you. people want to find you, where should they look you up for advice, historical or otherwise? 
Yeah, so I'm going to be claiming um, DottieDollAdvice.com. <laughs> so other than that, you can find me at Allison Horrocks on Twitter and Instagram. And Mary, what about you? People can find me on Instagram. I don't know if I should be qualified to give advice. Probably not. At Mimi Mahoney on Instagram and on Twitter at Mary Mahoney 123 And Aubrey, once again, thank you so much. Thank you. Like I said, I'm totally here as a fan, first and foremost, and I'm so glad that we got to celebrate the magazine a little bit. And I would love to hear about any other ladies out there who loved the magazine and um, what was their favorite parts. And yeah, I just, uh, it was it was such a huge part of my childhood. And so it's fun that we could talk about it together and celebrate it a little bit. Absolutely. Mm-hmm.